0: Hey guys, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you start to unlock awesome rewards too. Such as gift cards, free stuff, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase you're wanting to know more about saddle hunting, well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southerngroundhunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's Patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. And now let's get to the show. All right, we have got another fireside chat today um, with uh, with Luke Parker, who is joining the show for the first time as a co-host. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Crowd goes wild. Everybody cheers. Uh, <laughs> Luke is a a dear relative of mine, and uh, we're going to be switching things up just a little bit for the future of southern ground hunting. And I think a lot of that is going to be—I've just been thinking about it a lot through the season of like, man, a lot of times I'm going, 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 and maybe you don't get time to like find like just groundbreaking guests that nobody's ever heard their name before, and so you kind of get in these little ruts and stuff where. And and then especially right now, it kind of feels like a lot of the good guests are kind of being recycled back through. And uh, I think I said it last week. I have wanted to make this podcast one that is just as good without a guest as it is with a guest. And so I called a bunch of my buddies, and we decided to uh, make southern the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast a uh, more of a group effort. And Drew is still with us he's not with us today because they had what did he say they had championship games or something ba- basketball, basketball game yeah basketball games like that he had to dunk uh, contest shoo <laughs> i tell you what drew's an all-star dad he is got that thing uh he he's figured it out man we went to one of his kids birthday parties this weekend and he's just like his dad mode takes over Old old papa drew um but papa drew <laughs> old papa drew <laughs> That's what we'll call him from now on, Papa Drew. Um, So he's not able to be here today, but we do have everybody else here with us. And uh, like I said, we got Luke Parker, who's going to be co-hosting with us. We've got uh, Adam Cruz, who was on two weeks ago, right, Adam? Was it two weeks? Yep, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And um, y'all have heard him on the show a whole lot, and he's going to be more of a regular part of the show. And then, of course, Matt Reeves, who was here with us last week, and we kind of made this uh, sort of announcement right then. But uh, glad to have you guys all here with us today. It's going to be good.
1: Ready to go. All
0: right. right. It'll be fun. So here's Fireside Chat. Um, we're going to kind of set the precedent for what Fireside Chat is going to look like in the future, I think. Um, one person brings a topic to the table. and, and Have you ever watched, do you all ever watch Whose Line Is It Anyway?, Mm-hmm. Where yep. they give them like some random topic, and everybody else just kind of has to BS their way through it. Um, I have
2: no clue what you are talking about, but I'll BS my way through it. <laughs> You've
0: never seen that?
3: I no. feel like that's my entire life.
0: Oh wow! Up. Yeah, that was even from your day, Adam. Like that was. I am not a bu- <laughs> like my day. Like I am some old dude. Yeah, yeah. Like my generation watched uh, like I don't know. We watched like Vampire Diaries and stuff like that and y'all are all up on whose line is it anyways touched by an dawson's angel creek. <laughs> dawson's creek I was big when i was in high school <laughs> <Dawson's> <laughs> Creek with all the girls <laughs> oh man <laughs> i wasn't allowed to watch dawson's creek um i, I was saved by the bell guy <laughs> i thought yeah, you were gonna say i was saved by jesus i didn't want that i was <laughs> I about to say that watch <laughs> dawson's creek <laughs> no but uh so anyways, it's kind of like the improv thing where somebody brings a topic and we really just kind of dive into that topic. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So this week, um, I think Mr. Reeves has got a really good topic for us to talk about. And he did, yeah, and- because it's the first week of this, he really he did give us like 10 minutes ago, like, what if we talked about this? So here you go. Hit that.
1: There's yes, that. Not as, not as improv as, as we plan to in the future, but yeah, uh, we kind of were talking about this and it was brought to my attention kind of here in the South, you know, we, we hear people talk about you get one shot or two shots at a at a mature deer through the year. And, you know, you got to make that count. And many times we hear them say that you got to make it count. You got to make it count over and over again, but they never go into how to make that count. And today you know i want to talk to y'all and y'all talk to me about how us as hunters you know how we progressed in our hunting time because i know there was a time when we were like we we'd have that one or two encounters but we'd blow it you know you just they would run off we would miss a shot something something bad would happen and i i have too many stories to tell about that that i may you know if i tell them i may start crying again um <laughs> but you know, if we can just go go back and forth, kind of talk about how each one of us has grown and the little things that we've done to improve over the years, to now be able to capitalize on those, you know, short opportunities we get down here.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I think back to a podcast from this uh, this past summer. It was like right at the be- right before the season started when we had Wes Moyer and Jamie McKay and Michael Perry on altogether and uh, what that was one of the questions i asked was how many opportunities are you guys who are some of the best out here how many opportunities are you guys actually getting and all of them were like one or two you know maybe three if you get lucky but i mean it really puts things into perspective when you think about encounters and um especially when it comes to down here right so um I think this is a, a really cool topic. I think it's something that a lot, like you said, Matt, a lot of people don't really talk much through this, whether it be like a, like a technique or like a phrase, a little kill phrase that you say to yourself right before you take the shot or just kind of your routine or whatever. Adam, you got a routine that you go through? Cause like for you, this year, it was you better make it count if you get an opportunity because there's not a guarantee that you're going to get to come back tomorrow.
2: Yeah. And the last few seasons like that, I was in school the last uh, couple of years before that, and it was much more limited, not as much as it was this year, but it was like a week long hunt here, maybe a weekend or there. Uh, you know, the last three years, man, I don't even want to guess how many days I've been in the stand. So it's had to be somewhat precision. Uh, but leading up to those, the last few years, I made enough mistakes where I guess I did probably have one mantra that I would kind of live by and that was slow down. If there's one mistake that I've continuously made on bigger deer, especially bow hunting, not necessarily rifle hunting, but it has been just, um, not being ready for that moment in that moment and making everything precise. Um, and some of that was my own fault and I maybe not, shooting enough does earlier in the season to kind of prepare for that and then get, it's the big buck sneak up on me, the opportunity to get by me. But man, that one thing is let's like slow down and make sure everything is perfect before you move, before you grab your bow, before you pull back, before you settle that pin, everything needs to be exactly perfect. So that's, that's one of the things that I was thinking about when I saw Matt's text is like, okay, but that, that's the first thing that I want to make sure that I would get across.
0: Shooting does is like, Really, really important. um that, that,
1: I was gonna, I was gonna go back on that too. That's huge.
0: Yeah, I, I think using that early season to really kind of perfect. Like, it's a sad day whenever a big buck is the first year that you shoot at, unless you're shooting at him in early season. If he happens to come out in early season or whatever, I mean, obviously yeah. nobody's ever gonna complain about that. But going out with the intention of I'm gonna kill stuff today. I'm gonna kill something. And you, you kind of learn that, like, even even though you've been practicing, you've been going through technique and probably even practicing from your stand or your saddle, you know, through the off season, it, there's nothing that compares to a live target. And then you start adding, you know, filming gear, things like that. I think that's where it hit, hit for me was I need to start killing some does early so I can learn how to do this you know and i still haven't learned how to do it all that well i've learned how to at least turn the camera on and start recording point it
1: in a direction
0: yeah pointed in the right direction there
3: you go and just that, hope, was, and pray. that was
1: that was my deal parker was with the filming stuff when i started i mean i filmed two years before i got a kill on camera because it was it's so hard to get everything to line up just perfect much less on a big deer you know yeah. you see a lot of these guys who don't who don't film a lot, like like you and I, you know, that take their don't take their camera every time, and they go out and you know double tap record or just say, hey, forget it, you know, I'm not even going to worry about this. <laughs> and I've I've had filming screw up multiple hunts for me and bite me in the rear end, and but, but that that's part of the learning curve for me, um, that to where I was able to learn what not to do to then in the moment know what to do.
0: That's right. And, and to your point, uh, Adam talking about killing does again. Um, even, even when I, even when I first started, like everything, you progress in different ways, right? So I have certain like memory markers, I guess you could call them. Like when I started bow hunting, it was like, just shoot deer, (laughs) just, just learn how to shoot a deer. Mm -hmm. And then you start hunting on public land and you go back from, just shoot a deer, or you kind of progress past that on private land. You know, just shoot a deer. Then you start getting picky, and then you start hunting public land, and it turns back into just shoot a freaking deer. You know, and just and like, see a deer. Yeah, <laughs> just see, see a deer. deer. It's just shoot where it starts at is just see one, and then you progress to just shoot whatever deer you can, because um, it keeps you. It kind of keeps you going during that times when it. Because you can guarantee it if. You're just searching for a big mature buck. You're gonna have a lot more come home empty-handed than uh, than not. And so, I think I think that stuff is is super important. That that type, you know, slowing down, learning, you know, learning how to slow down, even when you know that slowing down might mean deer is gonna get away, but at least like so. I I guess I'll talk about mine because that that really kind of goes into mine. I this year I shot a lot of deer. I did I had a good season, but missed the three biggest bucks that I had shots at. So, missed one in Kentucky, uh, missed one oh on a the SOA hunt that I did here in Alabama, and then I missed the one in Florida. And those are the three biggest bucks that I would have killed this season. And a lot of it i think goes back to like it's almost the opposite of what we were talking about with filming um th- moving that camera and making sure that it's everything's right in the camera has helped me with my uh with bow hunting because it's forced me to slow down until they're in the frame so that makes sense and so it's forced me For to, sure. not to just completely not to just you know fling shots and somebody Brought it up. I think it was Adam Miller. I was on the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. I think it was Adam. He was like, well, do you think things might have turned out different had you actually just got the camera on and turned it towards the buck and, you know, took your time with it? Do you think maybe things would have happened different on your Florida deer? Because I didn't even, when that Florida deer came out, I didn't even move my camera. I didn't even turn it on. I was like, nope, don't even care about that. I'm going to shoot. And it caused me, I think, to rush things just a little bit. And, and I think that that has been the case i didn't have the camera on for the big buck in kentucky because he he came in so fast so i didn't even think about the camera being there i didn't have the camera on with the i didn't have the camera on with all three of those deer um i had my insta 360 running on them but as far as my main camera on all three of them i didn't have the camera running and those are the three opportunities that i missed i mean yep i'm not saying that's it, everything i think a lot of it's just the adrenaline of big giant buck is just so much different from you know a, a decent buck when you see the real big ones everything kind of just freezes
1: and it, and it could be parker that you know when we pick a target with our bow rifle whatever you know that's our first time seeing that animal you know and a lot of times people will see headgear or something and go oh crap you know like, what, like what's the going nose. on Exactly. Yeah. So maybe, maybe for you, it's like, hey, once I get this camera, oh, I see the deer, that initial, you know, not, not saying your rush is gone, but it kind of puts you in, hey, it's, it's kill mode now. I got to go into, it's time to kill, you know, you, you got that gone. You can focus on the shot now because you've got your
0: initial shot with
1: your camera already going.
0: That's right. I think it's just, it's a forced slowdown, right? You just, you're forcing yourself to slow down, and the moment that that changes, man, it, it can just throw you all kinds of off. And I think maybe people get uh, – like like what you said, Matt, it took you two years before you got one on film. Um, You probably killed deer in those two years. You just weren't getting them on film. And so it's hard for people because they can – Like they go from killing deer to adding something else in their system and throwing that camera in there. And it's like, yeah, screw that, screw that, screw that. And they don't ever, they don't ever do, Adam, you did this a lot. I think from talking to you. Totally. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I I didn't
2: pick that camera up like in the last two years. I don't think (laughs) because it's totally (laughs) unnatural, man. Like I, you know, I said when Matt was talking about a big buck walks up, it's just, it's a totally different adrenaline rush. It's literally like getting hit in the nose. It's a new feeling that's just much different than a nose, especially when they're in, in range, like you know it's about to go down. And then you got this whole other, you know, piece of the puzzle you got to like solve with the camera that is not natural within this process of hunting your entire life. So when you throw that one thing in the mix, if people haven't tried this before, man, it'll give you a whole new appreciation for people that do it full-time. Like, you two two guys that are filming, like, every single hunt, I don't know how you do it. Um, Maybe I'll try the Insta360 just so I can have something up there, but I don't know that I can deer hunt with a camera and make myself turn that sucker on anymore. You're talking about
0: about deer hunting, man. I'm thinking, like, I still haven't got a good turkey kill on camera. (laughs) I've quit. I've quit on turkeys.
1: Really? yeah i may take a gopro and that's it
0: oh you hadn't quit on turkeys you quit on filming turkey i was like what yeah 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 <laughs> film a turkey sorry no, it's no not i'm bad. still gonna
1: hunt turkeys <laughs> I, I just don't film film anymore unless i'm filming somebody
0: yeah it's like turkeys are when i think about like when times that i need to freaking just chill out it's a turkey it whenever i've got a bird goblin at and coming to me, and I can see him, and he's at 60 yards. I My freaking trigger finger starts getting just itchy, man. And I just want to – if he gets out in the open, I just want to shoot him. Even though he's coming in, it's like those opportunities to me feel like they're a lot less. Um, just those picture-perfect type turkey hunts. Like those, I can think of, man, almost probably two or three times from every season – that I have screwed up by rushing it and missing or mostly just missing <laughs> and, and shooting whenever I have too much crap in my way, man, if somebody wants to learn how to be patient, start daggone Turkey hunting. Cause that you would think it would be easier. Like that's what I always thought. I was like, Oh, I can film the Turkey hunt. No, it's way freaking harder than deer hunt. Yeah. And dude, I, Oh man, I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine and they told me, they were like, man, one of these days you turkey hunt enough and you kill enough turkeys. One of these days it's all going to work out and you're going to be able to get a good turkey, <laughs> turkey video. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I mean,
1: that's funny. Those
0: things are, so I had the,
1: I had the, per- I had the perfect video and I missed, but anyways, <laughs> go ahead, Luke.
3: Yeah. So that is funny that you say that. Cause like, I I consider myself like super lucky then because like this year was the first year um, that I I'm, I mentally prepared myself and just made the decision. Okay, and Parker, you and I talked about filming a couple years ago, and you know I said, hey, I'm interested in getting into this, and I took my camera ever so often, got some footage of different hunts, but just didn't really didn't really make the decision of okay, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to be disciplined in this, slow down, make sure that I've got my camera with me wherever I go. And so this year, that was the first year that I did that. And that was my goal, like for camera and starting a YouTube channel, um, you know, which has been just a few months ago. That was my goal of take the camera and to, to wherever I'm at and just do what I'm already doing, except I've got the camera and I've got the gear. And so for me, it was, just a mental decision of like, I, I prepared, okay. If I don't have this on camera, like what you were saying, slowing down and getting things on camera, there was so much stuff that I filmed this year that I look back on and think I may not have even like paid attention to that or acknowledged that because you're looking for the stuff to film. Like, as soon as something happens, my, it's weird because, you know, us as hunters, it's, oh my gosh, instinct takes over. I've done this a thousand times, grab my bow, make sure I've got, you know, stuff situated and, and figure out when I'm going to be killing this deer or whatever it is. But it's weird because this year it was first reaction, boom, cameras on, boom, GoPros on, making sure that that's on. And then like everything else is like second thought. It was super strange for me. Um, but it's, I I definitely agree. It's, um, I think in any sense practicing, and I I believe that we all do, um, if, if we, if you hunt enough practicing mentally, okay, I've got to slow down in order to, to make this happen the way that I've practiced, the way that I've prepared and filming for me this year was exactly that even so much. And I was probably, um, I was probably like too too focused on it because I knew if I wasn't, then it was just gonna be like, you know, throw throwing the whatever up, shooting the the deer, and then think, well crap, I could have filmed that or shooting whatever. And uh, you know, it's probably too much because there were times where I I probably could have had an easier kill or shot, which you know, this year I was pretty picky. Um, but I wanted to get it on on camera so bad. And I just, I just stuck with that, and, and you know, I, I don't regret doing that, but slowing down is – dude, that, that was super, super hard to do.
0: <laughs> did we just get fle- – I feel like we just got flexed on. Did Luke just? Why? Did Luke just pretty much say, like, actually, getting the camera on stuff mm-hmm. is easy. <laughs> hey, so, no, but now that
3: you mention that, I literally had the first two turkeys that I filmed on camera, and so I'm thinking, okay, I've got to be super lucky with that. So I'm not taking that for granted. So what? Don't I'm I'm knocking on wood
0: over here. We, hopefully, when you got
3: it, you got it. I mean,
0: <laughs> you know, please we'll see, I don't take off.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm just you know, we're we're all learning. But I, y'all saying that it's as hard as it is. I'm hoping that it just wasn't a, a fluke or something that happens, and now this year is going to be terrible. All right,
2: Luke. Were so, they field birds or hardwood birds?
3: Uh, well. It was private, but
0: it. it was private they land. Freaking field birds is what it was. On the field birds, <laughs> probably had a fan I got I had, I had I them I all on him. camera for like eight hundred yards. Hit him <laughs> up in the backyard. Some of those was it white? Funny. Was it white with black feathers? And
3: hey, now, 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 you're flexing. Cause
0: came strolling up. Oh shit! Straight it's off the farm. Yeah.
3: and you and you've killed one. So.
0: Well, I will say, I will say that field turkeys are a little bit easier to film. Not easier to hunt. Not. At, Whoa! I hate them. Hate them. Yeah, but easier to film.
1: Pasture kings.
0: Yeah, they. Yeah. Man, I can't wait for it. Um, Luke, I, I want to know this: uh, It's first year you filmed, um, and also the first year in a very long time that you didn't kill a an antlered deer. Um, yeah. Do those coincide? Do you want um, me to tell you what coincide means?
3: <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out if I want to blame it on my camera gear or just blame it on the fact that I was just too picky. Like, and to be honest, so um, I didn't I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to have. Um, just, I mean, and this is exactly what we were talking about. The big deer that I had on camera, because I had some really nice deer on camera. I had three three opportunities where it could have happened and I wasn't in the stand. And so I, I've, I saw a ton of deer. I saw some younger bucks, nice bucks. Um, one that I should have shot with my bow very first day of you know, bow season, but I just got picky, but I, I wish I would have been able to been able to spend um more time to and I knew it. I, I knew it's it was just a matter of time. I just had to be there when it was gonna happen and I wasn't. So don't you I got ten buck
2: tags in Alabama. <laughs> Do
3: <what? laughs>
2: well, I said, don't you guys get ten buck tags in Alabama?
3: Dude, I wish. Matt said Depends twelve. Hey, it wouldn't matter this year because I didn't kill a single one. Parker should have <laughs> lent me some of his.
0: He didn't have any to give out. Yeah, I was out of them. You're
3: you're you're right in, in multiple states
0: too. <laughs> uh, oh man. I, I I think back to the season and I and I'm uh, we were kind of joking about it earlier. But one of the things that I have done just and, and we can kind of get off of filming after this because it, it's not going to hit everybody necessarily just the same because everybody doesn't have that but um I, I set up a, a filming system I guess for myself that helps me slow down I mean I do slow down you have to just to hit record you have to slow down a little bit but making sure that I'm filming in 4k on my main camera adding a GoPro of some kind uh, or action camera of some kind to a second angle where it's on you and then having the Insta360 camera come off the side. And the Insta360 camera for the most part stays on loop mode all the time, so I don't ever have to worry about that. I turn on that GoPro, turn on the main camera, and if it's in 4K, it doesn't really matter if I'm not completely zoomed in. Um, perfectly because I can zoom a little bit in post production. So, uh, just keep it on a wide, on a wider setting, a wider view, and you can get those deer in the frame and then zoom in a little bit when you're editing. And, uh, that, that kind of has seemed to be the best of both worlds for me is you get everything on film. It may not be, you know, in the next badlands film festival, but, You got it for your channel or for your memory or whatever. You can see enough of it. And that seemed to work pretty well. And that Insta360 camera has been gold. It's just been like I wouldn't trade that camera for nothing. And actually for turkeys, it's going to probably turn into my main camera, I think. Um, All right. So, Matt, I don't know that you necessarily talked about what your process is or the things that maybe you feel like you could do better.
1: Um, I, I do like how we got off on how everybody thought filming did s- help them slow down. We're we're not saying that. Hey, you need to go get a camera if you need to slow down, but you know, d- find a method to help you slow down just to kind of go back off that. But mm-hmm. as for myself, um, kind of a few things that I came up to. One, um, my occupation. Um, I am a forester. Um, so that gives me a lot of time in the woods, whether I'm scouting for deer or working. Um, so that helped me, you know, kind of prepare to find out more what these deer were doing. Um, a lot of times I found myself hunting where I wanted the deer to be rather than where the deer actually were. And so I I guess the last four years, um, from being in school and then out of school the last couple of years, I've, I've been able to kill some more bucks and, my process is don't don't hunt where you want the deer to be, you know. You could you could find the prettiest tree and the prettiest opening, and there may be two, there may be ten scrapes right there, but that deer's not going to walk there when you think he's going to walk there. He's going to get there at night. And then that that was my distraction. I, I found those places, but as I grew as a hunter, found more and more sign in the woods. Um, I, I quit hunting the the, the obvious sign. Uh, and went went a little deeper and was hunting stuff that was kind of over overlooked not what i was used to hunting it was actually pretty pretty ugly um you know you you look at it and it's not it's not going to be in a magazine it's not going to be in field and stream um it's that stuff that people don't want to hunt that those deer are in and that yeah. that was the big a big difference for me uh in these last few years uh, as far as killing killing deer um in general and and good
0: bucks as well those kind of areas really go into your like even even like the moment of truth type you know moments i guess those those big moments where you're in close with a big big buck or whatever but what happens is uh when you start finding those type of places it puts deer in closer quarters with you and it gives you less of an opportunity to make mistakes i find that i make more mistakes when i have more uh shooting lanes does that make sense right like oh yeah more shooting lanes is always going to give you more opportunity to mess up whereas when you're Mm -hmm. hunting thick into the the cover and the ugly stuff and the clear cuts or whatever i mean you may not get the perfect broadside shot but you're going to be close to them and you just have less of an opportunity to screw it up in my opinion
1: and back on what Adam said earlier about shooting does, um, I had a couple years where I would find a, find a buck and that, just the whole trail camera buck coming at night, and I'd just sit there and hunt that buck, hunt that buck in the same lock-on stand. This was before I went to public land. And I'd just hunt that buck. I might shoot one doe you know, early season, um, but that limited me to what I was killing. I didn't want to kill anything else in that area. So when I made my transition kind of from hunting private to go into public it was like y'all were saying I'm just going to kill a deer and so I'll go out there Well, I I had some luck and I started killing deer well that that bumped my confidence in my shot execution I had a lot of problems with shot execution on bucks because I didn't have the experience Um, and that's just what it comes down to is repetition and practice you can shoot you can shoot at a block target a 3d target all you want to all day every day but nothing will imitate a deer like shooting a live deer, having it in front of you. And that that would be another thing. Like I said, um, I started killing more deer. They weren't necessarily big deer. I'd shoot a spike. I'd shoot a four-point. It didn't matter. I was just trying to get the, my numbers up for the experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's huge, man. I mean, that's like real-world real world practice type stuff. Um, now, I'm curious, does anybody have – like a phrase that you say to yourself after before you take every shot?
1: Name like small, miss small.
0: Name small, miss small. What's yours, Luke? You got one?
3: Not really. I mean, you know, Ted Nugent, he's got his <laughs> thing. Cracks me up, always think about that. What but is
0: his? I don't
3: even know. I, I think if it still is, uh, he says, before I, re- before I release the here on the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Boom!
0: <laughs> Does he really? I like that, actually. Dude, I, I freaking love Ted Nugent. Oh, Uncle Ted doesn't give me a lot of things that I just, not necessarily things that I dislike, but things that I want to repeat. And uh, that's one of them. I like that. Before I release the in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, like
3: I remember that. doing that as a kid because right. I thought he was the coolest guy ever when I was you know, <laughs> shooting birds in my recurve in the yard, going around just shooting birds with
1: zebra ears
3: <laughs> yes his zebra ears dude that is hilarious
0: how ironic if you would have said that while you were like releasing on a white dove or something like that <laughs> 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 maybe the father and the son yeah no yeah just the father <laughs> and the son on that one we're never gonna leave out the holy spirit uh I, so i uh i don't have one either and I, maybe that's something that I've heard people talk about that, like part of their shot process is like, uh, was it Cody? Is it Cody DeQuisto that has one? I think Cody DeQuisto has one. I'll have to look it up. It's not, uh, not something I could probably repeat. (laughs) I think it has some foul language (laughs) in it, but, uh, but it was, it's pretty good. I'll see if I can find that before we get off and, uh tell you guys what it is because it's pretty awesome but any anybody else have any you have any like phrases or anything like that
2: not to be repetitious but i got slow down from my dad so when i was a kid i would you know get ready to shoot a buck and he would just be like slow down slow down and he would like coach me through the shot so a few years ago, Parker, you'll remember this, man. I missed an opportunity. It's like the absolute buck of the lifetime, probably of generations to come. And when I missed that opportunity, literally probably in my tears, I was like, dude, you've got to slow down. Like you've got to slow your process and you've got to think ahead. Um, and that's so not to be repetitious, but man, that's it for me. Like every
0: time now I'm just like, okay, I go back to that moment. I'm like, wait. Slow, 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 slow now, but not too far moves. ahead. Don't think too far ahead. Don't already be wrapping your hands around the antlers. That's my no, problem. No, not that see, that's what that's, dude, my that's problem. Yeah. so,
3: yeah. And I take that back. Um, I the, it goes through my head over and over and over is just pick a spot, just pick a spot. Don't focus on anything else that's going yeah. on. Just pick the spot that I need to
0: hit. I don't have that. I, I need, I feel like I need. But I wouldn't say I necessarily have target panic. Um, I don't have target panic. Like, I can pretty well focus. But it's like when it happens on the bigger deer this year, it was every single time I was thinking about it as if that deer is already dead. I've got that deer dead to rights. It's dying. The Florida deer, I was using a slug gun, and he was at 80 yards. Perfect. And I was like, dead deer. Like, I'm about to be... Dragging this thing through this swamp, but I didn't slow down and look literally what happened is there was a branch, a small branch right mm-hmm. in front of my gun barrel. It was out of view of my scope, but it was in front of my gun barrel and had I just slowed slowed down a little bit, maybe if I would have moved my camera out my he would have been standing in a different spot, and I wouldn't have hit that branch, but it's like You've got to double check those things. I think uh, one thing that I see a lot of guys do in different videos and stuff is they shoot at this deer because it's broadside, but there's another deer fairly close by. Um, yeah. Like to me, anything that's moving in my sight, like I, I want the deer to be completely cleared away from everything. Anything else will throw me off and like get me far away from what Luke's talking about from just pick a spot. It's harder to pick a spot when you've got another body in your, you know, in your, uh, peep site. So, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that can branch off of slow down. Right. Like, well, that has to be the number one thing
2: on a personal level. Just as you were talking, Parker, I I continue to think about, and this is, this is a friendly thing. You're one of the most confident individuals that I've ever been around, especially like if we're going hunting, like I feel like, you know, turkey hunting where you, I feel like we're gonna kill a turkey just because your confidence is coming—not arrogance, but confidence.
3: Cocky <laughs> son of a gun.
2: <laughs> it, <maybe. laughs> but as as you were talking, I was thinking, man, you know, the word focus kept coming to my mind. Just take your mind off the antlers, take your mind off of the success to come. Just focus on the moment, like live in that moment like it's everything. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think being confident in that, like I'm, I'm very confident in things that I have proven to myself, I do well. So, yep. so whenever it comes to deer, I'm confident when I go into a spot that I'm going to what I genuinely feel like is the best opportunity. You know, it as long as there, there's obviously things that happen, you know, gates locked or whatever things you can't, things you can't that are out of your control. Um, so sometimes you go into spots you're like, I really don't want to be here and I know I shouldn't be here and it brings your confidence down. But whenever I've whenever I do feel like I'm in the spot that I wanted to be in, man, I go through so much I've got so much confidence because I've proven to myself I can figure that part out. The part that I don't have the confidence in is that shot. Um and and that's why I I jumped on it whenever Matt said that, because I feel like this is really something that I need to I really need to work on big time. I, I had a good season this year and it it's because I went a lot and I was confident in my opportunities and i made some of those opportunities work out. But the important ones, man, if all I got was those three opportunities, man, we'd be, I'd, I'd go from a winning season to a losing season real fast. Um, Do you think if you cut your season in half, like literally, you know,
2: you, you going in, that you'd only be able to hunt, say, ten percent of the time that you did. That those hunts would have been any different. You think you would have approached them any differently?
0: Hmm. No, I don't. No. Because I don't think with those specific deer, I don't think I was ready for mega buck. You know what I mean? Like, no. I'm I'm always fairly confident that I can see deer, but whenever it's mega buck, I'm like you know just melt. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't do anything well,
2: kind, of, kind of what i was getting at is like if you if you put that pressure on yourself that only got so many opportunities would it have been more impactful i, I don't know
0: maybe i mean definitely I in florida i think I definitely in florida maybe that was my problem because i've spent so much time there and not even seen a deer legal to shoot and <laughs> and yeah. here i am you know, getting presented this perfect opportunity. Like, like that was a, I knew in that moment that I had to make it count. Cause I, God's not handing out those type of experiences in Florida too mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, but, but what I know, I, I know I pulled that trigger knowing that I was about to take that deer home. Like that deer walked out of that or ran out of that swamp. And I was like, well, I'm tagged out, you know, like I'm done. Um, but it didn't happen. I think I think you can get too confident in in a lot of that kind of stuff too and uh, be confident with your shot, be confident with where you're sitting at. But man, I th- just you got to focus. I think that's where it, where it comes down to for me. I've got to focus more.
3: And I think um it gives me uh confidence knowing that you're not going to just hit a level where you where you've just reached everything like what you were saying parker like you can be confident as you better your skill and whatnot but it's an it's an endless progression of constantly practicing and constantly just doing the repetition like what, which one whoever said it just the repetition over and over and over and so with me shooting um you know i'll switch back and forth shoot more trad gear than i do compound target panic for me is like super 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 bad and fred Bear, it was fred bear howard here i can't remember which one you know one of the two of the greatest archers ever uh one of them had to switch from right-handed to left-handed because the target panic was so bad and so, to me, I'm thinking, you know, even even the people that you look at or people that we have as, you know, legends, they're still struggling with the same stuff that we struggle with, and it's just a part of the process. Like it's a part of the hunt. It's a part of the experience. And that, and I don't think, I don't think it'll ever end either. I think it's just a, that's just part of being a hunter. Part of being an outdoorsman.
1: Hey, talking about.
3: Go ahead.
1: You, okay yeah that i guess that was me at a younger age i'd, I'd go hunting. and i was like man i want to be that guy who kills big deer but i hadn't had the experience of seeing a deer encountering him and i hadn't screwed it up enough to actually know what to do i wasn't just gifted with that out of the womb you know to be just this deer slayer you gotta learn it you gotta experience for sure it. you gotta go with it
0: so adam were you gonna say something were you gonna add something to that
2: I'm not sure where I was going with it. I got a little bit of a clue, so I'll, I'll try to fill in with what I was thinking, but it was kind of going back to your point, Parker, about the confidence thing uh, and then the Luke's point. So uh, one of the things that I've struggled with personally has been confidence in my setup. That is, am I putting myself in a position in that kill tree within 20 to 30 yards of the buck to kill the deer? That's been one of my biggest hurdles is not like Am I in the right spot? It's it's actually the confidence piece, which I think, Parker, you like excel at. Uh, And the the thing that I don't struggle with is the target panic. So it's like we all have something that we need to work on. We need to be able like that self-awareness. Hey, where are my strengths? Where do I need to build upon, um, you know, my experience level and just work on it and know that it's a problem. Mine's confidence. I've, uh, and I've had to like just be humble about it and ask people, you know, for help. And sometimes I pick up the phone a few years ago. I pick up the phone to a friend, like, dude, I am struggling, like, to kill a bug. Like, I'm trying to kill certain types of bugs, but help me. And, and one of the things he told me, I, I think Matt might have said it was just like, start killing deer, man. Like, yeah, and that's what he says. Like, don't even, it might have been you, Parker, that also told me a very similar thing. I know you encouraged me. It's like, dude, when you get in a slump, just go kill something, and you'll feel better. And, dude, it does. like, and So that's one of the things that I go to. Like, okay, well, I'll go kill a deer. I'll, I enjoy it. Go get eat the meat. It's fun.
0: You talking about eating the meat, that was my – I had a random topic, okay? Um, and and not to get us off of this, but we're going to get off of it for just a second. Um, Luke was talking about Fred Bear, and I know Luke is like a big fan of uh, Tim Wells, right? He's still a big fan, oh, Luke? Oh,
3: man. Oh, yeah.
0: You're you're a fan of the Slockmaster. Master, dude. Master, um, dude. Awesome. So I don't watch a lot of Tim Wells, uh, but he I follow him on social media, and he kept posting these pictures of his this predator hunt that he did out in uh, in Mexico, killing coyotes yep. and stuff. Yeah. So I watched his video literally like five minutes before I came down here to record this, and Tim Wells had a very interesting perspective that i have not heard from like anybody in the hunting video space so he goes out and shoots these coyotes and they ate one of them which was cool i thought you know they ate one i've eaten one of them before and it was pretty good really good meat um but they ate one of them and then he shot another one and it ran off and died and they came back and found it by the buzzards flying over it or whatever and Buzzards, obviously, yeah. nobody, nobody's gonna judge anybody who doesn't eat, a, eat a coyote that they shoot. I don't think. I think that's kind of has a certain placement, and on the dinner table isn't really one of those things anybody thinks about when you think of coons and bobcats, foxes, coyotes, even pigs, which are delicious. A lot of people just leave them lay, and nobody really thinks much about it. But, uh. He starts talking about this coyote. He's like, we're just going to let this one stay here. We're going to leave it here. Feed the birds. And then he starts going off on this rant that was about like, sometimes it's good to just leave some meat on the animal just for the, just for nature to come, like leave it just for the bugs, leave it just for, and he starts talking about Spain and he did an Ibex hunt and they have to, they're required by law to leave half of the meat from the Ibex that they kill and I don't know the truth. I mean, this is Tim Wells talking, and I guess he went and did this hunt. They're allowed they they're required by law to leave half the meat of that Ibex for some endangered vulture that lives there. Have y'all ever heard anybody talk about that? Never. Have nope. you have you ever heard somebody with the perspective of sometimes you just need to leave a little bit of the meat just for nature?
2: Be spiritual right there, man. Yeah. I like it.
0: Maybe, maybe not. I don't know how Give, I feel give, about give it. some to the fire ants. The fire ants need to <laughs> be. Yeah. I, I thought it was so <laughs> bizarre. I'm like, I didn't even read the comments because I thought, so bizarre. these people are going to rip. Have you seen that? Oh, uh, yeah. That yeah, meme it's, it's like they finna drag you. That's that's how I felt about that. Because he's like, you know, sometimes I think we just get all cut up, caught up on these laws and uh, <laughs> regulations of, wanting waste and all this stuff and i was like you say you just leave meat out there like i don't know it felt felt really weird i'm not sure i'm gonna leave
1: this back strap for the coyotes
0: yeah i mean that's in <laughs> it's, essence it's a, what I was saying sacrifice you know like yeah in this world where like right now everybody on any type of platform is talking about like Hey, we use this for food. Meat eaters set a really good example of making that kind of a yeah. a focus. And so a lot of people have followed uh followed behind them and really focusing on the meat aspect of things. And then Tim Wells just goes out there and he's like, Nah, man. <laughs> Sometimes you just leave it. <laughs> Y'all should go watch this. He probably that.
3: just he probably just said that so he didn't have to drag anything or take it anywhere.
0: Probably so. <laughs> but still, I mean <laughs> what do y'all do y'all think that's okay nobody want on on well, that.
1: That, to that, that go ahead Luke
3: I, I'm on the side of like you know how many animals have have I killed that I didn't eat you know like I don't eat coyotes I don't eat the you know fish that I shoot with a bow you know carp and stuff that's just it's just not something that I, I'm into. But anything else that is considered like a normal, you know, if you're hunting deer, stuff like that, feed my family and stuff, I'm I'm all for that.
0: I mean, that could be argued. Though. I don't know. See, I the, the thing is, I don't know the anyway. situation.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I think, know that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know the specific situation, so.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people. I mean especially if you're doing your own processing or, or quartering a deer out. I know, you know, you're going to get your back straps, you're going to get your inner loins and you're going to get your shoulders and your hind quarters. You know, that, that's, those are the main things that I see of getting out of a deer to go. Now, is there more meat? Yeah. You can get, you know, the neck roast and, you know, scrape ribs if you want to. Um, but then, you know, I kind of think there's a little gray area there. Uh, some people, you know, will, be out there with their knife scraping the bones to get every stick of meat off of the deer um kudos to them
0: does it make you feel bad okay so i have been with people i've been with both types of people in the woods and i've been with the guy who's like we're getting every flipping thing off of this deer that we could possibly get off and then i've been with the guys that are like "Eh, that's that's i don't know the guts touch that and i don't think i want that and like i've been i've seen people do the exact opposite and so, I but I find myself being like, when I see the guy, I, I, I want to be more like the guy who gets everything off of it. Like there is a part of me that when I see somebody like that, I'm like, man, I suck. <laughs> like I am just a <laughs> sorry son of a gun because all I'm getting is the quarters yeah. and the back straps and the, you know, everything that you mentioned. Um, th- That kind of tells me like if you feel that way, if you feel like you should be more like that, I don't know. I, that it was just a weird thought that I had from Tim Wells.
1: And it's what what's our reasoning for skipping that step? You know, is it our pack would be a little bit more heavier, we don't have an extra game bag, you know, little things like that can be taken in into consideration that's a good in point. those situations. Yeah, that's also, a really
2: good point. Go ahead. What is What's in it for you? Like, uh, why are we doing this, right? Like the deep down desire. So culturally, you know, it's looked down upon if we leave meat on a game animal. But in another country or another continent, maybe that's not looked down upon, just like what Tim Wells was talking about. And I've, I've never heard it and maybe even thought about this. But for the type of hunter that just goes out there to shoot and kill and let it lay, that's a lot different than the type of hunter that goes out there, shoots it, kills it butchers three quarters of it but leaves a quarter out there for the bears the goatees and the buzzards because he's given back in some way from deep down i know that's like sounds really weird and really deep down and this is a new perspective (laughs) uh, even for me (laughs) but i can see you know i can see how that might work in someone's mind outside of our culture
3: yeah i'm thinking the only way i'm most likely going to do that is if it's like you know considered a trash fish or something or bait for another
0: animal (laughs) i mean i I think usage is everything right so like like if you're if you're gonna use it for catfish bait or whatever i mean you're just it's just kind of you you, uh skin a whatever uh, i was gonna say a skunk but that was a terrible example you skin a fox and make a purse out of it or whatever yeah um like you're just using everything, everything that that animal has to offer. Um, yeah. but Tim Wells, I mean, like, I, because that he is so, he's so much onto that, like, spiritual talk and, like, kind of Ted Nugent with the way he does that. I was really surprised to hear him say that. And I, and I had a weird feeling about it because, like, what you said, Luke, like, trash, he calls it a trash fish. And I'm not saying this. I'm I'm just offering another perspective because I've definitely yeah. done the same thing. Um, you called it trash fish. Well, some people really do enjoy eating for carp sure. And gar. I've heard gar tastes like lobster. I don't know. I've yeah. never had it. But drum, drum. Yeah, black drum. Out, you know. I mean, there's a lot of those kind of fish that people we, would consider trash. Havelina is mm-hmm. a good example. You shoot a javelina out in Texas. And they stink to high heaven, but it's good meat. So do you just, it, it is perfectly acceptable to throw, throw them out. A lot of people still eat them, but it is okay. People throw them out all the time. It's like, did, you kind of wonder like, did God intend for us to manage those animals in that way or to use them as we manage them? You know what I mean? Go back well, to I mean, Tim Wells's point of, like, sharing it with the other animals. Like, again,
2: this is not my perspective, but I can see other cultures' perspectives.
0: And did God intend for us to have a good chunk of it? And then uh, the Yotes to yeah. get the other? Well, Tim, Tim Wells also said this. He was like, if you notice, because the, the the specific coyote that he was picking up, the buzzards had already eaten all the intestines out of it.
1: And he mm-hmm. was like,
0: you know, a lot of times what these buzzards will do is they'll take a certain piece out of it. And he looked at the eyeballs, and the eyeballs were all plucked out. He said they'll take certain pieces, and they'll leave the rest. And then another animal will come eat the other part of it. He's like, his thing was, God intended us to take the parts that we want, and the rest, nature will use the rest of it. That's a good, I mean, that's a good arguing point. You know, I mean, like, you take what you can use and let nature have the rest. It's still going right back into it. The circle of I life. haven't ate
2: eyeballs yet. I did. But it's good and fat you know, a lot of fat content.
0: I yep. ate I ate the Did you say you did? Yeah, so well, no, I well, didn't eat not. The, <laughs> but the birds do. I didn't eat the eyeballs. Uh, Parker eat, Parker eats eyeballs. That's what uh, I'm
3: hearing. He I actually eats them on a regular basis.
0: Uh eyeball soup. You ever had that? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard he's also eating largemouth bass. Just for those listeners out there, <laughs> he's triggered a bunch of people. <laughs> sorry, uh, they're, they're pissed now. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> trash fish is what I call them. Um So you out, I watched an episode of Meat Eater where, and I've seen it. I saw it a long time ago where uh, Steve went up to a caribou, caribou, and pulled out the back, like the white fatty stuff behind the eyeball and cut it out and gave it to whoever he was that he was hunting with. And they chewed on it. He's like, it tastes just like pizza dough. And I was like, huh. And he, he went into some long Rinella thing where he talks about how people used it or whatever. And so while I was skinning out the head of the the buck I killed in Texas, I got to it and I just shot it that the night before. And it was cold that next day Uh, No, actually, I put it in the freezer. It wasn't cold. It was hot. I put it in the freezer, and then I went to skin it out because we were going to boil it. Well, I got to that, that little fatty part on the eyeball, and I was like, I wonder if this really does taste like pizza dough. So I cut a big chunk out of it while my dad was watching. I think my wife was watching, too, and I took a big bite of it, and it tasted just like pizza dough. Like, it was bizarre.
3: It looks like and feels like it.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. So you should try that.
3: It must take.
1: I'm I'm good.
0: Yeah, I'll uh,
2: I'll eat my turkey legs this year. <laughs>
1: hey, that's a, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I, that's one thing I've I haven't really done is the turkey legs. I just usually cut out the breast and go on. But I'm gonna save the legs. You know, hashtag save the legs.
0: Dude, the legs are good. Oh. I've slow cooked them and done like pulled. Like a, like a pulled turkey type recipe for barbecue, and it's like freaking a, good. Like, a, like in a crock pot or something yeah. like that? Yeah, in a crock pot. That's
2: the only way to do it for the legs.
0: You've got to, uh, once it all comes off the bone, like there'll be a bunch of like little sharp tendons in there, like little toothpick sized tendons, then you'll have to pick all that out. But my whole family liked it. I just cooked it for a really long time on the slow cooker, and uh, it was freaking good. Um, i did i was actually talking to somebody about this last night it's funny that this brings us into this um about weird things like weird parts of a deer that i've eaten um and i did the a nut Be careful what you say i did a nut i knew it of one i knew it have you, you ever did what like a testicle you ever, eaten that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you ever no, eat that you ever eat testicles at them?
0: <laughs> this again, about, this is, he this is also something Parker eats
3: on a regular basis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> some weird stuff. He said, I left that in Afghanistan.
3: Okay. Yeah, we, uh, we all want to know how that experience went.
0: It was funny. Yeah. Please. So... Another meat eater thing that I saw. I get a lot of ideas from there for things like, oh, "I'll try that. Let's see if I can try that." And, and then uh, they had
3: worms two weeks later.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I died. Um, no, I, so I took it out, like got it all out of the the sack, and uh, <laughs> there's not really another way to say it. Cut it all out of it, and uh, I let it sit in like some Texas peat for a couple of hours, just to get that spice around it. Um, <laughs> it's like, a little spicy. Yeah, I <laughs> we just it. cut out
3: half the viewers
0: is uh, <laughs> eighteen and above. <laughs> uh, to put explicit on this,
1: I'm um, sweating. <laughs>
0: uh, so I, I let it sit in Texas Pete. I'm trying to remember if I did. I want to say that I did it. I was gonna do it pan fried, but I ended up just like basically like because it was such a small little little nut. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bitty thing. I'm Texas nuts. Uh, no, this is Alabama. This is Alabama nuts. These are nuts. Texas nuts. I'm talking about. <laughs> and so I put. <laughs> this is funny. I put a little more oil in there than I should have. Got it.
3: <laughs> Got it all slimy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, just uh, I went to just kind of fry it like you would like a like a chicken wing or something like that. Went to go fry it. And, uh, what I didn't realize, and I should have realized this because I just should have known that it had, it, it's got, a uh, an inside of it. Like it's got a, a filling, I guess, that is, I don't know what it, I really don't know what it is. It's kind of a fatty, almost like tofu type texture. Um, and it's inside the nut and i don't know what it is but i have guesses as to what it what it is um i don't know if it works that way but i put it in there and i let it sit for a few minutes and then it just popped <laughs> just went, Pop! <laughs> and it got all this like tofu looking stuff all over the pan oh God. and i was like um don't know what that is but I have guesses as to what this white substance is. Get my spoon, <laughs>
3: dear Lord. Yeah, let me get my spoon.
0: So you know, my
2: another personal level thing. Like we text a lot, like almost every day. <laughs> you couldn't have like texted me and be like, "Hey, dude, guess what? I just ate a nut." You know, I mean, would
0: <laughs> I'd have been interested. I mean, it's so, 2022. You know, <laughs> hey. I'd have, loved to have heard that story live. <laughs> I probably would have prefaced it by saying a deer. I just ate a nut from a deer that I (laughs) shot. Um, Oh, man. Dang. And it it was terrible? Yes. It was not good. So, I did eat it. Uh, Mm. I got all the nasty stuff that exploded out of it, off of it, and just ate it. And it was not good. I mean, it was like a decent flavor, I guess, but the texture of it was... uh, nutty i guess I don't yeah guess. i'm just gonna take your word that uh, it was garbage. now was this no, now was this a rotten book uh he would have been pre-rut <laughs> uh, okay okay yeah pre-loaded a, a pre-rut <laughs> buck hey, Parker, probably, have, you ever, uh, like, have you ever had to like edit out a whole segment of a podcast <laughs> right. Yeah, for real. <laughs> would this be the part that i should they leave it but in there. This
3: is for the listeners that didn't want to admit that they had a, a buck testicle before.
0: They're going to no, be like,
3: I mean, now someone knows. You
0: might
2: find a niche. That's true. You might really find a niche.
0: Oh, man. People are going to be like, man. Some fear. Th- th- my favorite episode was, when I l- I've learned so much from this podcast, but the thing that I love the most was that I found out somebody else eats deer nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I hey, I'll tell you it. Y'all should try it, Luke. You have to kill bucks for for to be able to do that. Um, wow! But <laughs> that's
3: okay. Hey, there's there's always next year. Well, this year actually. It's so weird to say that deer seasons this year.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: 2023. 2022. That's weird. That's weird. Very very weird. So Compa. title for this podcast: Fireside Chat. Um
3: testy testicles <laughs>
0: slow down roasting your nuts <laughs> slow. do you have the nuts <laughs> <laughs> gotta have the nuts to slow down that that's, is so yeah, dude, funny. That's good i good. like that that is good you think people will listen to it <laughs> you think that gets any yeah <laughs> good keywords in the algorithm <laughs> no.
2: I have to listen to base you're looking for <laughs> yeah well
0: here we are that was a good fireside <laughs> chat guys thanks a lot thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast as always a big shout out to all of our partners that's go wild spartan forge tethered new canoe and scree gear you can keep up with southern ground hunting by following us on facebook and instagram or you can subscribe to us on the youtube channel make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.